As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza. That is Dalton Del Don. I pointed to my computer screen. It's always very effective. <laughs> and hey, Dalton, how you doing? Doing well. Shot some fancy baseball videos yesterday. Now happy to talk some football with you, Liz. How you doing? Look at you. You're like a Swiss army knife of fantasy sports analysts. I'm, I'm so impressed. I am so grateful I get to share virtual space with you. Oh, thanks. That's, again, though, you just have to carry the show as usual, though. It's all that means. Sure, sure. Okay. All right. Well, in today's show, beautiful transition. There you go, Dalton. We are going to go through some free agency news, maybe have some fun with some tight end rankings because you guys haven't seen the news. Peach season has come a little bit early this year. (laughs) I'm excited to dig into it. Probably the biggest news in terms of name and brand recognition maybe not so much in terms of fantasy impact for 2021, is that Ben Roethlisberger has re-signed with Pittsburgh. Scale of 1 to 48. How excited are you, Dalton? Get there with, like, 45. Yeah, I don't know, a 2 or a 3. I mean, we mentioned, (laughs) I think, last time we talked, the second half last year, Big Ben got 5.8 YPA. The style that just call hike and throw the ball away without any any sacks was just it wasn't great to watch or or I mean the touchdowns weren't horrible and maybe the I'm, I'm overrating the YPA for sure but but typically typically the the YPA would suggest a much lower touchdown rate but um, I don't know at his age I'm not expecting him to get much better I, I, I you know the are there any obvious alternatives other than drafting one. I don't know. I, this isn't doesn't come as unexpected, but man, that was discouraging. The, the second half of his, you know, approaching age forty season there. So I don't know. It's, I'm not super excited. Are you? I'm not super excited, but I don't feel like when we watched the Steelers games, there we're immediately reminded of the drops, right? And if you dug a little bit deeper, it could be argued that. Part of the reason Johnson and Claypool struggled with drops was because maybe Ben didn't have enough left in the tank to properly get the ball to his outside receivers. Juju, obviously, notwithstanding. Uh, Juju is someone we have to talk about, though, because he's a free agent and it's unlikely. I guess I would probably I feel more comfortable saying unlikely than likely that he'll be back in Pittsburgh uh, come the fall. But I also feel like Ben Roethlisberger's numbers weren't as bad as his performances. Now, I also think that we have to talk about the defense, which obviously suffered a catastrophic number of injuries. And so there was point chasing that happened for this squad um, that maybe, you know, didn't happen at the top of the season. Although at the top of the season, the wear and tear 
of the year hadn't quite taken such a toll on on Ben as it did towards the end. Um, 33 touchdowns, you mentioned. That's top eight in scores. He was still a top 15 fantasy producer in 2020. I mean, I'm probably because we've got exciting, you know, uh, players like Jalen Hurts, who we discussed you're very high on, and um, Justin Herbert coming into his second season, probably not going to rank Roethlisberger inside of my top 15, but he's certainly going to be inside of my 20 and in super flex leagues that makes him continually relevant. Yeah, I'll buy it right around 20-ish preliminary. I'd put him right there in a tier with Derek Carr, Mayfield. Um, Yeah, in between maybe 15 and 22. So right right around there. Uh, Makes sense. And uh, one thing would be nice if they actually gave him a running back. Like I get, you know, running backs don't matter and all that. But boy, he's getting very below replacement level play from the position. So maybe they invest a draft pick there. But that would really help because Connor and Snell are just not not the answer there. So he would really benefit from a, a running back that could break some tackles a little bit better on their own for sure. I like that. I think um, maybe uh, the kid out of UNC, not Michael Carter, but uh, Williams out of UNC might be an interesting play there. I really like Najee yes. Harris, but um, I, yeah. I, I have Harris as my number one running back, which is pretty chalk, to be honest. But um, it'll be interesting to see whether the value comes into play and and forces Pittsburgh to take someone like Williams a little bit later, who has a similar a similar skill set, but maybe, you know, didn't play at Alabama and played at UNC. So the uh, level of competition that he faced wasn't as high. Yeah, I actually grabbed uh, Williams in the fifth round of a best ball league because I'm a crazy person. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm extra interested to see where he gets drafted because everything, do not follow college whatsoever until now, but everything yep. I've looked into, he looks super impressive. So I'm very intrigued for sure to see where he ends up. And yeah, Pittsburgh would, I would not be upset if he ended up as a feature back in Pittsburgh because there's ze- no, definitely no. a path there, real clear path. And just a little tease for our listeners, uh, next month in April, Eric Edholm and I will be uh, coming, we'll be running back the rookie snapshot series. So we'll introduce all of these players, their pros, their cons, their running style. So if you haven't been able to catch up on college ball, and honestly, it's been a little bit difficult this year because there isn't a combine. Pro days are run a little bit differently. Nobody really watches the Senior Bowl. And by the way, a lot of these players didn't even go to the Senior Bowl um, this year. So if you haven't been able to catch up, Eric Edholm and I will be back in April with the Rookie Snapshot Series to catch you all up. But Dalton and I both agree that Roethlisberger should probably be just inside between, let's say, 20 and 15 from a fantasy POV for the quarterback position. He needs a running back. Pittsburgh is likely to draft one. Um, But any thoughts here on if Juju is not in Pittsburgh? And I know that Michelle and Andy discussed Deontay Johnson, and I'm assuming Uh, Claypool had to be folded into a little bit of that discussion on the pod earlier in the week. Is Roethlisberger coming back affecting your projection of either of the two um, outside receivers, assuming Juju is not back? I think Big Ben's fine for Deontay, just underneath out of the slot. He's not going downfield as much, getting the ball quickly, you know, quick release. Um, yeah, it just really matters where where, where Juju goes, frankly. But I, I'm assuming he's going to leave. Deontay was drafted aggressively in the aforementioned league I was in early fourth, ahead of guys like Robert Woods and McLaurin. Don't exactly agree with that, but I think the market is suge- is, is expecting Juju to leave and, and Deontay to yeah. to you know turn some of those drops into bigger production and all those targets because it's hard to to argue with all the volume he was seeing last year. And of course, Claypool may have the most talent and upside of all. It's just he's a little bit going to be more you know touchdown dependent. So uh, yeah. 
Yeah, so it really role, depends where Juju ends up. His role is much more specialized, I think we could say, than, than Deontay Johnson's. He sure. offers a little bit more versatility. Also, just last tidbit that I was surprised when I looked at Roethlisberger's stats— Protection rate of 91.6. That's in the same range as Phillip Rivers. It's QB2 for that statistical category. Obviously, the Steelers are known for their offensive line, but I am now intrigued as we're talking about running backs uh, if we could see some really probably second half of the season if we're like baking in, you know, uh, evolution and reps and chemistry and all those things, but a lot of like pass catching opportunities and checkdowns to whichever running back fills the RB1 role in Pittsburgh, especially, you know, even with the protection rate. Yeah, it is so wide open there. I mean, I do not, Connor and Snell both uh, are not the answer. McFarlane, you know, maybe PPR late stab, but I think they're going to, I think they are going to be one of the teams that's interested in spending draft capital on the running back position. Some more news. This is not entirely surprising either, but let's discuss it. Golden Tate has been released. Um, you know, ended the season with a calf injury, so he didn't play out the last few games of the year. He's in his, he's over 30s when he's age 32, 33 season, I believe. Um, slot guy. I think in some ways this is actually good for the Giants because coming in to last year, you looked at this offense and these receivers, these pass catchers, because let's be honest, Evan Ingram is basically a wide receiver. Um, and you thought like um, all of the receivers outside of Slayton did the same thing. So now that we have Tate moving out of the equation, I think that Sterling Shepard, who was, who is versatile, who has great yak, who I really liked coming out of college and who had trouble staying healthy, um, might be one of those 70 catch players in 2021. Best part about Tate moving on is it gave me excuse to see the, the highlight of him waving at the Rams defender from the 30-yard line on that score, one of the most insulting touchdowns in NFL history. So good. Um, but yeah, it increases fantasy value for both Shepard and Slayton. The target should go up. I think Daniel Jones' schedule will be easier this year. He'll have a bounce back. He's not that bad. The whole offense with getting Saquon back, uh, it'll it'll be a buying opportunity in fantasy too, coming off such disappointing seasons. Um, I, I, Evan Ingram, man, he's uh, he's. I might actually let someone else try to buy back there. But Shepard and Slayton, certainly interested. That's another team that may address the wide receiver position in the draft, but getting Tate out of there frees up, frees up some, some targets moving forward. Agreed. I think, I think we should keep an eye on Slayton's um, ADP as the season. I'm sorry. I think we should keep an eye on Sterling Shepard's ADP as the season progresses and we move towards August because I have a feeling he's going to end up on a couple of my sleeper lists. I think that Slayton obviously has the big playability and that's what people remember, even if he didn't fulfill that role as much as we would have hoped in 2020. Um, but I, I think that Sterling Shepard, his versatility and his yak could be interesting. I, I am going to say, I'm going to say like barely over 70 catches, assuming he stays healthy. Yeah, um, Jones seems to love Shepard and Harmon loves uh, his route running too. He's a Shepard guy. So I, I'm with you. Shepard could be a, a sneaky rule, really, really undervalued at draft tables this year. All right. Um, Tyrell Williams, if you guys need a refresher, not going to say I didn't, uh, formerly of the Chargers and the Raiders is expected to sign with Detroit. Now, rather than sit here and project Tyrell Williams' potential stat line for 2021 with Jared Goff under center, I think what this is signaling, and, you know, maybe I'm leaning into narrative and rumors, but guess what? It's March, and that's kind of fun right now. Um, this, to me, signals that Marvin Jones is gone, yes. Danny Amendola is gone, yes. But most importantly, Kenny Galladay is not going to get the tag. I think they're going to let him go. 
Oh, this is wide open there. Yeah, I, t- I took Kintez Cephas late in this best ball draft because he might him, be the number the one way. receiver before that was yes. before Tyrell, Tyrell the Gazelle signed there. But wide open receiving core there. All those guys may leave. Obviously, it's not great with Jared Goff there, but it's indoors and uh, a bad defense. So that team may be just forced to throw. So uh, there's a lot of targets could be available in Detroit. No, no question. I think that actually is a perfect segue I want to ask you where you have TJ Hawkinson, because as I teased earlier, peach season came a little bit earlier. But tell me where you have Hawkinson, and then I'll get into the uh, free agents, uh, or the tight ends, rather, who have been released recently. Yeah, I love Hawkinson. He's number four, uh, right behind the big three with Waller. Um, yep. I, you know, originally I'm like, you know, Mark Andrews kind of belongs there, but no, Hawkinson saw more targets last year, two years younger, and he's the only game in town. Um, obviously, the nice pedigree too. So, yeah, you don't love the downgrade at quarterback with Goff, but it's not like Goff doesn't like throwing to tight ends. So, yeah, Ooh. Hawkinson. I'll be honest, I'm actually closer to putting Hawkinson as part of that tier one than I am lower than four. I think, yeah, he's he's the guy you should get, go after next year at tight end position so i had in the notes who is your te4 after kittle waller and kelsey mine was hawkinson volume uh the match with the quarterback all of these like pedigree obviously a talent all of these things a time of year he's number of years he's been in the league all of these things i think are contributing to i don't want to use the word breakout because i feel like we use that word clumsily but I think a solid like top five tight end finish for Hawkinson is very very within reach not in the like not in the like oh this is Mike Gusecki's big year like the way we talk about Gusecki sometimes but I think like this actually is a realistic projectionable uh, opportunity for Hawkinson Really, if Galladay leaves and Jones leaves, it really is. I mean, it might be safely projected to be the fourth tight end there with that volume. So year three, uh, former top 10 pick. Uh, yeah, he could he could actually truly explode. Like the upside is of the number one fantasy tight end, too, just given his situation. And we know that Andy Barons loves him because he's a, an Iowa product. What tight end isn't in the NFL? It seems like half of them are. <laughs> So this is a very good point. Um, so we're talking about tight ends because there has been quite a bit of peach news recently. Delaney Walker, let's start with that, plans to opt back in to play in 2021. Now, remember, he was with the Titans and then opted out of last year. But he's had the last couple of seasons ahead of 2020 pretty injury-plagued campaigns. Um, and that, in 2020, left Jonu Smith open. Because also, if we look back at the drafting notes in the Ricky Snapshot series, we know that Jonu Smith has a skill set similar to Delaney Walker's, comped to Delaney Walker throughout the draft process and was, in fact, openly drafted to be the heir to Delaney Walker. And, you know, we all wanted it to happen. I talked about Mike Gusecki, but I think that Jonu Smith was another one of those, like, this could be it for him. There's no reason not to. And, like, honestly, the passing volume just wasn't there enough for Smith to become regularly consistent or relevant. Delaney Walker was the backup to Vernon Davis in San Francisco, I swear, 15 years ago. I can't believe that guy's still in the <laughs> league. Um, so I think Jonu Smith may leave via free agency, um, and Corey Davis might. So to me, all this points to is just all the A.J. Brown. I mean, if he really was playing with this bone bruise in his knee that could have that he was originally told was going to require season-ending surgery, he played through that's like week two. And you You're talking about A.J. Brown. 
So yes, AJ Brown. Yeah. Free, if, if Jonu Smith leaves and Corey Davis leaves, that's what I'm excited about here. Man, if you free up some some looks there and Derrick Henry, uh, I mean, m- maybe again to get another 300 touches. But what if he gets hurt? Yeah, AJ Brown is the excitement there. If you're if you're asking me in Tennessee, but yeah, um, Jonu Smith. It just depends on you know if he if he returns or if he signs there. But um, yeah, you know, Ferkser was a thing for once. But it just it just depends on what happens with these guys in free agency. What is what uh, gut feel? Are you buying or selling on Smith staying in Tennessee? From the, from what I've read, it sounded like the 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 GM is fine with Corey Davis and Jonu uh, leaving and then spending their money elsewhere. It's my guess is Corey Davis and Jonu leave. Uh, see, I think that Davis is definitely going to leave because they didn't give him a fifth year option when they had the opportunity to. So to me, that like writing is on the wall. Smith, I would be more intrigued by. Um, I, I think there's a large, a better chance that Smith stays, but it'll be interesting when he hits the free agent market because obviously we know that the skill set is there. Um, health and opportunity, a different passing volume might affect him, but Smith will remain a question mark, right? Kyle Rudolph, however, in Minnesota was officially released so how many Irv Smith Jr. shares are you buying? Oh, yeah. I'm moving him in my top 12 for sure. Speaking of Smith's at tight end, um, I like him a lot more than Jonu right now if I were in a draft because, yeah, this frees up his opportunity. He's looked good, passes the eye test. Um, uh, Adam Thielen kind of fading, get up there in age. Um, I mean, don't love it because Justin Jefferson's awesome and it's a run first team, but there aren't a lot of mouths to feed in Minnesota. Pretty condensed um, target tree there. So yeah, Irv Smith is a tight end one for me on my on my fantasy board. I mean, I, I I like that you mentioned the run first offense, but this is still the NFL, right? Like this is 2020 in the NFL. Everybody's passing. Like 4,000 yard, yards for a quarterback is nothing anymore. And we know Kirk totally. Cousins is staying totally. in Minnesota. We know and we know how much he loves to favor the tight end position. Herb Smith Jr. was the number three passing option in that offense at various points throughout last season. Thielen, you mentioned, is fading. Justin Jefferson is the man. He can do all the things. He's the wide receiver one. But I also think that Smith has another opportunity to inch his way into, as you're saying, the top 10 to 12 at the tight end position. Now, I mean, people are be like, oh, great. What is that? Like five catches and 50 yards a week or something. But like, that's still, it's still a position that we need to take into consideration. And he has NFL bloodlines, which, you know, people want to have conversations about. This isn't Chris Collinsworth kid, right? Like people want to talk about nepotism. This is st- NFL bloodlines matter, not just because of connections, but because of uh, training and reps and the kind of, um, physical therapy and attention and coaching that players can receive and have access to. And, you know, a lack of volume also, it helps when it's offset by efficiency. And Cousins got like 8.3 YPA last year. So I think the offense is, in general, it's a good system to be in. And <clears throat> tight end position, I got myself excited about last season and it totally disappointed. But I could talk myself into it again this year. If You've already brought up plenty of names and Dallas Goddard without Zach Ertz, uh, Noah Fant another year and possibly an upgrade at quarterback position. Tyler Higby without um, uh, what? What? Uh, Gerald Everett is, is almost certainly going to leave. Uh, Logan Thomas came on down the stretch, and there's still a, oh, a Gasecki possible breakout. Um, Blake Jarwin returning to Dallas. I mean, I don't know. There's Cole Komet in Chicago. There How are some are you, interesting. You're missing one of my favorite options. Uh, Dalton, you've like gone through the Adam whole list. Troutman, love- Troutman, yes! Troutman on New Orleans. Troutman Jared on New Orleans. Cook. Okay, yeah. Jared sure. Cook sure. and yeah. 
former hype bunny Josh Hill. Do you remember those days, by the way? The yeah, Josh course, Hill hype train. Um, yeah. Josh Hill and Jared Cook released from the Saints. Hello, Adam Troutman. Such a great story. I believe that the Saints traded up to get him. And if Sean Payton wants his man in the middle, he is someone you need to pay attention to. Absolutely. Uh, but the quarterback situation there in New Orleans is very interesting. I got Taysom Hill in the middle rounds of the best ball. So I'm rooting for Breeze to I, everyone assume. I don't even think he went in 35 rounds. Everyone assumed he's going to retire. And now there's video of his trainer posting in social media of him doing something out. What is he going to return? I mean, it's Winston. I think Winston's the favorite, but Taysom Hill has that sneaky rushing upside for fantasy managers. And he's still going to be there. Um, I don't know. What do we make of this? What do you, what, what is your gut instinct on Breeze? I totally thought for sure he was retiring. Now I'm like, I don't know. It's a 25% chance. Maybe not. Well, I mean, I thought he, I thought everybody knew he was retiring because I believe it was Jay Glazer who reported on the oh. broadcast ahead of the, the playoff game that this would be Drew Brees' last game at the Superdome because the rest of the playoff games weren't going to be played. Uh, you know, they, they had scheduled locations. So win or lose, this was going to be his last game at the Superdome. And then, of course, there was all of those highlight reels edited together of him, like, waving and taking one look back. And he and Tom Brady, like, on the field afterwards. And Breeze was right. playing with his kids. And But I, you know, these... It's interesting. So this is a little bit of a, like... Just stick with me. It's a little bit of a tangent. But the week of the Super Bowl, heading into it, because... You know, I wasn't in Tampa Bay and you guys weren't in Tampa Bay. Like we had some different, a different way to spend our time. I made a point of re-watching the Last Dance series, the Lance Armstrong two-part 30 for 30, and the HBO doc on Tiger Woods because I was fascinated by the competitive psychology that these theoretical goats in each of their professions, in each of their sports, had and, and the similarities and the connective tissue to Tom Brady. And... I think that, you know, Andy has said that sometimes you train and you train and you still don't become Tom Brady. And, and I think that's important because you think about Drew Brees, who is no less committed to the game necessarily than Tom Brady, uh, doesn't have the height, but maybe that means he has the chip on his shoulder. Like, I don't think he is any less addicted to competitive to being competitive or to winning than maybe Tom Brady is it's just that he's had not as much success at it so we aren't able to as obviously say here's what's going on so I'm wondering if Drew Brees seeing Tom Brady have a ball at the Super Bowl championship parade on the boat like throwing the Lombardi around avocado tequila like the whole thing if Drew Brees is like well shoot you know what if that old guy can do it I can do it and it like stoked that same hyper-competitive near addiction in him. Yeah, Breeze looks so limited down the stretch, but it could have been all those broken ribs that he suffered. He may not have been even close well, to 100%. And there's and he's Michael pushing Thomas. This, like, Mike, Michael exactly, Thomas yeah, wasn't yeah, he, available, right? He didn't have his trio uh, that, that Tom Brady had. And Michael Thomas was hard. I mean, Michael Thomas said basically, like, he shouldn't have played the season, but he was gutting it out as much Breeze's as he could last. so that he and Breeze could yeah. make it happen together. And so I wonder if you you have some off time and you're thinking about your broken ribs and you're thinking about, you know, your your star receiver and you're looking at Alvin Kamara and you're thinking and you're looking at that defense. Because honestly, when you think about it, too, like what if you look at those at Tampa Bay's success and New Orleans is success, they are very, very similar to one another. So if you're for Breeze, sure. you're thinking, for why sure. couldn't I do it? I 
they're all in. Totally. They're they're all in and their defense is good. So yeah, I mean, they didn't even have to go out there and throw the ball a ton whatsoever. So yes, I, I could absolutely see see I mean one one last one last run at it for Breeze. Uh, I think he had like a, a, a some sort of uh TV gig or something maybe in store, but he could put yeah. it off for a year. And, and, and yeah, if he gets hurt, they have certainly have some depth at the position, but I'm starting to question it. And you, yeah, maybe he watched Brady and he got jealous, but um, yeah, it looks like there's definitely more of a chance now than it was a month ago of him returning. Yeah. Cause Don't his trainers love- posting stuff on social media. I saw it. I saw it. I agree with you. And I love how sim- you just simplified it. Like I went on this whole rant about watching all these 30 for 30s and documentaries and you were like, yeah, you just got jealous, which you're right. I like Hold both on. those. I like both those though. No, no. I, both those are good watches. The Tiger Woods crazy that the documentary came out and then, then the car crash right afterwards. But yeah, th- both those were, were, were compelling. No, I know. So Adam Troutman, I'm assuming yeah. back to fantasy. That's the other reason to come back, right? That's what I meant. I forgot. That's the <laughs> other reason to come back. He has Troutman there now at tight end. Come on. I get Jared, Jared Cook out of there. Now they have Troutman's breakout season. And are you of that glut of potential breakouts? I'm assuming Troutman is probably. Or, or, or You know what? Who are you buying higher on? Irv Smith, uh, Jonu Smith. Let's say Smith stays in Tennessee. Let's just make it easier. Irv Smith, Jonu Smith, or Adam Troutman? Uh, give me Irv Smith. I like what I saw there and no, yeah. and no Rudolph for sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I like Irv Smith. I, I think you're right. I think you're right there. All right. Any final thoughts? Oh, I have a question for you. This is not on the outline, but I, w- I just wanted to to pick your brain about something as a 49ers fan. This is totally I'm blindsiding you. I uh, hope you don't mind. So sure obviously thing. there's a lot of talk about whether or not Jimmy G will be under center as the starter for the 49ers in the fall. Right. Like his name. And, and we're seeing this free agency cycle that is robust with quarterback talent. Maybe people don't think it's as elite as the talent should be, but it is certainly robust with quarterback opportunities. Um, And we know that Alex Smith was released by, by the football team by Washington, or he will be, um, he's not going to return, which makes sense from their POV. I understand. Is there a world in which Alex Smith returns to the 49ers and does the not the same skill set but energetically the Fitzpatrick thing uh, absolutely there, I mean there is a world in which they bring him back for sure because the number one priority right now it seems like to is to get uh, to improve the number two quarterback position uh personally I'd love to just go all in and trade two first rounders and company for for Watson um I, I would way prefer the Ryan Fitzpatrick than Alex Smith Fitzpatrick should just look at this roster and see Jimmy G's durability, and that's just a perfect fit, I I think. But Alex Smith, oh, man, um, love the story, and I hate the way Washington treated him. Or the way um, the 49ers treated him. Yeah, that yeah, they did draft him ahead of uh, Aaron Rodgers, who is next their next door neighbor. But um, yeah, that's right. That's true though. Once they they had Kaepernick, they did kind of just toss him aside, um, put him in a good situation though with Andy Reid in, in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, so the third option is if not Watson, if not Fitzpatrick. Um, so you can laugh at me here, uh, paying attention to these draft people. I'm talking myself into Mac Jones at number twelve, okay. both for now, for now and the future. Um, although the more I read, uh, he originally projected as late first rounder. He may go top 10. I don't know, man. Is it just the system that sh- the, the shirtless picture I saw of him looked pretty impressive too. But yeah, Mac, Mac Jones is who I kind of wouldn't mind the Niners grabbing at pick 12. What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I think it is, but I think if you have a rookie like that, then Alex Smith, who again has history with the organization, 
is all the more important. Like, you need to have that veteran quarterback who has shown. Like, Ben Roethlisberger is not mentoring anybody, right? Like, we, we, we he's audibly laughed at that as a, as a possibility when Mason Rudolph was drafted, right? Like, he's not helping anybody. But you have guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, McCowan to a certain extent back in the day, although I believe he was on the the, the Texans uh, practice squad this past year, but Watson didn't need any, you know, up-leveling. Um, and you have Alex Smith, and obviously the blueprint between he and Mahomes is so evident. I think you need a veteran quarterback who's actually going to do that with your rookie to really ROI on the draft capital spent. Yeah, well, Jimmy G will, will be there. I mean, that's that, that would be the you plan. You think just, for one Jimmy. hot minute that Jimmy G, like, that's not never going to work. Like, Jimmy G isn't going to hand over the reins. A guy that handsome coming from New England, that kind of, like, energy around him is never going to, like, help mentor the next guy. I love all of the, like, yeah, it's a team. We help it. No, they don't. There's so much he ego learned, involved. He learned from Tom Brady the best. Come on. He could just do exactly how Brady took him under his wing, only not really. Yeah, I know. I hear you. Uh, it would be a weird fit. It would be It would be weird. I, I get it. But Jimmy D's seemingly handled all these rumors fine. But, yeah, that that would be would be, would be be weird. I don't, I don't know what the Niners are going to do. They should probably just run it back. But, man, I hope they really do improve that backup QB situation. And I hope it's not Alex Smith, Smith as much as I love him. No, I, I like the rookie, but I think you have to, like, find a way to get Jimmy G out of there in order. I mean, we just saw what happened with Wentz cool. and Hurts, right? Like, and that Wentz is another quarterback who's had some durability concerns. And, like, then the controversy happens and everybody's a little bit, a For little sure. bit um, worked up because I, I, I just feel like the egos need to be. There is this expectation that, like, everybody's always working for the team, but then on the other hand, Agents are calling their clients saying you should get more. You need to make more money. Here's a like, this is a business. And I can't blame like 25 year olds for being confused about what they should be doing um, for themselves or for the, the shield. And there'd be no issue if like, say an Alex Smith came in to back him up, you know, and then that would be totally different dynamic for sure. And and probably even Fitzpatrick too. So um, that is probably the most likely route. Actually, the Niners go with a non-threatening backup. Yeah, I think that that works. That would probably work well. But I mean, I'm not a sports psychologist. I don't think most GMs are either, by the way. Otherwise, we wouldn't see these choices. But <laughs> it remains Trade for I just Watson. To get your Trade t- for Watson. Trade for Watson. Give two first rounders and even both. So he's got cartilage damage. Go all in for, for a franchise player, the quarterback. Three guys in the world can do what he does. I mean, that's what I would do. That, that's what I would do. And it sounds like he, I'm, I'm it's really you. interesting. That both sides are so stuck in right now. If you, you if you believe what you read, that Houston, no way they're trading them, and then you believe the other side, Watson's not playing again uh, with another snap for them. So that's that remains very interesting. I tell you what, Dalton, you can have Deshaun Watson and give the Bears Russell Wilson. Let's just blow up oh, the NFC dude, West that, more. Yeah, that would be the best. Pete Carroll is my new favorite coach in the NFL. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that Russell Wilson really might leave Seattle? This is crazy as a Niners fan. I love Carroll. They're, they're dug in on him, and apparently Wilson does not like the preferential treatments his sons get, and he really might leave. There are, they say they're, even they are saying, we're not, you know, we're not actively trading him, but they're accepting phone calls. Russell Wilson? Pete Carroll is absolutely my favorite coach in sports right now. I mean, but Pete Carroll also is a college coach, and like that, that uh, whole rah rah Siskumba thing probably only works for four years, and then people. Richard Sherman, in fact, a 49ers said that he was like, "Yeah, it was cool in the beginning, but at the end of it, like I graduated and had to get yeah. out of there. Didn't want to hear it anymore." And 
Something with Russell Wilson that I'm not hearing nearly enough people talk about is the fact that his wife makes bank. She don't need his salary. So his wife is going to be able to talk about where she wants to go. And I guarantee that's part of the reason he publicly winnowed it down to New Orleans, uh, Dallas. She's from Texas, Chicago, great market. And um, Las Vegas, because what singer doesn't want a residency in Las Vegas? I was going to bring that up. I thought the Raiders was so weird. And then I, someone brought that up to me, a uh, Raiders fan. I'm like, wow, I never connected the yep. dots with Sierra and that and, and residency. And it makes total, total sense. So Russell Wilson uh, to Chicago, uh, Watson to the Niners. Uh, let's do it. Uh, yeah, I, I would be certainly happy with that. I literally just got chills. So we're going to end the episode on that note. High note. Um, podcasts. Y'all, you're not doing anything. It's the spring. You have time to listen to podcasts. We have a lot of them. So check out the Yahoo Sports College podcast if you want, especially to learn more about rookies with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty. And of course, you can check it up. Check out Posted Up with Chris Haynes. And that is all about the NBA, which Dalton is also working on. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. And you can follow Dalton at Dalton Del Don. We'll be back next week, but until then, we are out. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.